And welcome to Wednesday on the Pure Opelka podcast. It's Mike here, and I promised you we would do a little recap of the State of the Union. I did stay up late and watched it, and I was not impressed. And we'll get into that. But I always start the show by talking about this day in history, and this is March 2nd a day that had a whole bunch of important history in it. For one thing, it's Texas Independence Day. In 1836, the great state of Texas declared independence from Mexico. I should say the Republic of Texas, shouldn't I? In 1917, Puerto Ricans became U.S. citizens. And, uh, of course, we immediately started recruiting our Puerto Rican brothers to join the military and help in the, the war effort, World War I. In 1929, a very dark day in this country's history, Congress passed the Jones Act, also known as Prohibition. You couldn't make, sell, distribute, possess alcohol. Bad idea. They finally got rid of it a few years later. In uh, 1933, the original film, King Kong, premiered at Radio City Music Hall with Faye Ray. Yeah, a fabulous film. I think it's been remade three or four times. I like the original myself. On this date, 1962, Will Chamberlain, the NBA legend Will Chamberlain, scored 100 points in one game for the Philadelphia Warriors. They were playing at home in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I think that's where it was, versus the uh, New York Knickerbockers. 100 points in one game. Think about that. I know we marvel at guys who average 30 points a game. Wilt was just insane. Of course, of course, he was really the only tall guy on the court at that time in 1962. In uh, 1966, Ford built its one millionth Mustang. And that's kind of remarkable because the Mustang came out in 1964. It was actually a 64 and a half. It was a huge success. I wonder where that Mustang is. We will ask Lauren Fix, the car coach. Maybe she knows. She probably does. And in 1974, on this date, a grand jury concluded that Richard Nixon, the president of the United States, was involved in and knowledgeable of the break-in at the Democratic headquarters in the Watergate building in Washington, D.C. Remarkable. That ultimately led to the downfall of a presidency. And speaking of a presidency that seems to be in not just a downfall, but tumbling, tumbling, tumbling. Joe Biden delivered the State of the Union address last night, started at 9.08 p.m., ended at 10.10 p.m., 62 minutes by my count, 51 standing ovations, give or take. I counted standing ovations when the entire chamber stood, not when one side stood or the other side stood. So um, uh, that's that was my uh, my count. Yeah, somebody else might have had more or less. A couple of things I noticed. Joe Manchin, the Democrat senator from West Virginia, who has been so important to preventing us from going down the socialist path. Manchin sat with the GOP. Hello. How are you? Joe Biden talked about funding the police. And now it seems like Democrats are all in for supporting the men and women of law enforcement about time. It only took you two years. The voting public will not forget, but the squad stayed seated during the fund the police portion. And I believe Cori Bush, a member of the squad, 
congresswoman from Missouri, I believe. She's one of the people who yelled at Joe when that was going on. AOC looked bored. (laughs) She generally does to me, though. And uh, Joe Biden did something that made Republicans stand to cheer when he said, we must secure our border. Gee, after two million, almost two million arrests at the border in just the last year, you've decided we got a problem down there. Okay, let's go through some of the clips from this. Uh, The most famous screw up from last night, because Joe Biden, he's famous for gaffes, had had a wonderful gaffe that has been bandied about talk radio and, and conservative TV all day long. It's my favorite gaffe of the night. Iron will of the Ukrainian people, to our fellow Ukrainian Americans who forge the deep bond that connects our two nations, we stand with you. We stand with you. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish their love of freedom. Now, I, I went back and rewound that last night. I went, did he say the hearts and souls of the Iranian people? And yes, he did. They're trying to say he accidentally said Uranian people. Well, there are no Uranian people. And it is funny that he's talking about how much the Iranian people love freedom. Bad one. That was a bad one. There were some other ones uh, last night. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Oh, Joe Biden trotted out that old chestnut about the Second Amendment because he had a laundry list of things he kind of touched on here and there. And he trotted out that old chestnut about you don't need 100 rounds to kill deer. But he used the deer-wearing Kevlar vest line that he thinks is funny. And we'll do everything in my power to crack down on gun trafficking of ghost guns that you can buy online, assemble at home, no serial numbers, can't be traced. I asked Congress to pass proven measures to reduce gun violence. Pass universal background checks. Why should anyone on the terrorist list be able to purchase a weapon? Why? Now, I'm stopping this clip because I find it ironic that Joe never mentions his son who lied on a background check form and then got a gun and then disposed of it illegally. Kind of ironic, isn't it? A little hypocrisy there, hypocritical irony. Why? And folks, ban assault weapons with high-capacity magazines hold up to 100 rounds. You think the deer are wearing Kevlar vests? <laughs> Look, repeal the liability shield that makes gun manufacturers the only industry in America that can't be sued. Well, that's not really true. Uh, gun manufacturers can be sued if a firearm is faulty, but Joe and his cohorts allowed Big Pharma not to be sued when they came out with the vaccine. So they can't be sued if there is a problem with the vaccine. Hmm. Interesting how that worked out, isn't it? Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, Joe also had something that kind of uh, got the attention of Andrea Mitchell. She did not like the end of the speech when Joe Biden said, go get him. Nobody really knew what that meant. Even Andrea Mitchell was confused. I also think there was a a strange moment at the end where he said, go get him. That was audible to the audience. 
and we're not quite sure what he means. I think he's talking about Vladimir Putin and the bad guys over there, but it was an ad lib that kind of... Yeah, normally his clothes are God bless, God bless and that was soldiers. <laughs> well, yeah, normally God bless the United States of America and God bless our troops. Joe Biden has a habit of saying that, Bill, but we went back and looked over the campaign videos for the last election, you know, in 19 and 20. And Joe, on a couple of occasions, ended with, God bless the United States, God bless the troops, and go get him. Not go get him, which is what he said last night. Now, there was some concern from the, the rather liberal side of the media that uh, this was a bad speech. David Chalian over at CNN, he's director of something over there. He's got a title. He's the, the happy ass who's always doing analysis of the data on polls. And his analysis of the data last night should be of great concern to Democrats as we face the midterms. We've seen over the last year Joe Biden take a slide in the polls. There's no doubt about it. He's not just taking a slide with the overall public. He's also taking a slide, and I think this reflects that, the instant reaction to the speech, with people who are even supportive of him or, or who are in his party. And I mm. think, um, you know, that is what these numbers reflect, is that he obviously has been on the decline. There's nothing in this speech that suggests he turned that around entirely. I don't think that was the expectation. I don't think that's a realistic expectation for this speech. But clearly, that decline in popularity that we've seen, we're seeing it across the board. Yeah, across the board. They're seeing it across the board. Now, if you didn't watch the State of the Union, good for you. You're a smarter person than I. You saved an hour and two minutes. But uh, I can give it to you in 67 seconds, courtesy of a guy named Kyle Becker. Kyle Becker posted this video on Twitter, and you don't need to see the video. There's a couple of visual moments in there, like Pelosi standing up oddly and rubbing her fist together near the end of it when Joe was talking about burn pits. I thought maybe she had to pee or something. Who knows? But here is 67 seconds of Joe Biden's first State of the Union address, courtesy of Kyle Becker. Faced in Afghanistan, faced many dangers. One being stationed at bases, breathing in toxic smoke from burn pits. <laughs> many of you have been there. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish their love of freedom. Putin may circle Kyiv with tanks. Kamala looked confused. He'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never extinguish their love of freedom. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine. And a pound of Ukrainian people, huh? proud, proud people, pound for pound, ready to fight with every inch of energy they have. Oh. As one people, one America, the United States of America. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you. Go get him. Yeah, go get him, Joe. Go get him. Oh, my goodness. Well, we won't have to deal with that for another year. I hope we don't have to deal with another speech to a joint session of Congress for another year. I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Uh, let's see if I could get Wendy Patrick, our attorney friend, to weigh in on the speech. She is a, um, a body language expert, somebody who in court 
pays attention to body language and tries to read what the witnesses and the accused are saying from the stand. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, maybe we'll have Wendy, maybe not. Maybe we'll have Dr. Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic. After all, it's Wellness Wednesday here on the Puro Pelka Podcast. Well, I told you we were trying to get her, and we're so lucky we did. Our friend, attorney, author, public speaker, columnist for Psychology Today, and one of the accounts you should be following on Twitter if you're not, Wendy Patrick, PhD. On Twitter, Wendy Patrick, PhD. Follow her. Pay attention to what she's saying. It's very important. Wendy's joining us. Wendy, thank you for being here. Always a pleasure to join you. Well, I'm glad because after the State of the Union, I played a bunch of the clips that we've all heard all day long. The Iranian people or Iranian people (laughs) or go get him and all the other. We played some of the clips before, but I want to dive into an area of analysis that is in your expertise. In fact, it was the first subject that you and I talked about on the radio a bazillion years ago, right after you had graduated from high school and law school at the same time. Uh, you talked about body language in the debates, and it, it's it's kind of what connected us very early. So I want to talk about last night and the body language. I'm sure you watched the whole thing, right? Oh, I did, and I have a ton to say. It's almost going to be tough to streamline the uh, my comments, but, um, you know, I, I what I would love to start with is the visual. You know, I feel like if you just listened to the State of the Union, you really didn't get a feel for what was conveyed. If you both listened and watched, as you and I and many of our listeners did, you came away with an, a very different portrait of what went on. And depending on your partisan proclivity, I think you either saw it as a a vision of unity and strength, or you saw it as the unanswered promises. But one thing you saw, regardless of your political bent, is history being made. You had the president there giving the State of the Union with flanked by two women, Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris. When have we ever seen that before? So I think the the visual was just stunning. And, you know, the body language was um, less than I think I would have expected had it been a, another president, let's say maybe one of our more recent presidents, <laughs> who was a little bit more effusive. Um, but it was really uh, just a visual that I, I really can't get out of my mind. It was great to see. I don't know if you had the same thought. You've watched probably way more State of the Unions than I have, but I thought it was great. Well, I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. I always want the best qualified person in the job. That's kind of where I look at things. Right. And I think we failed on all all three of those positions if I had my way. <laughs> but, you know, uh, there was one moment, though, that stood out the very, very, very end of this. And while you bring this up about Pelosi and uh, and the vice president sitting there, Kamala Harris, I have to bring one thing up. Joe Biden was going through his four unifying priorities at the very end. And he was talking about the VA and our soldiers and burn pits and his belief without any scientific proof that burn pits cause cancer. And he brought out the terrible memory of his son dying and what a horrible uh, a horrible thing that was for his family and how tragic that was. But as he was talking about these burn pits, Nancy Pelosi started standing up in the middle of his, his moment and she suddenly made two fists as she was halfway to standing and then smiled 
and she she was rubbing her fist together. And it was the way I've never seen anything like it. Her knuckles were rubbing together and she was kind of smiling like the Grinch. And I'm going, what is going on here? <laughs> and, and then the president finally got to the statement that he was going to expand care for the VA. And she jumped up even higher and applauded. And I thought, oh, she anticipated the line and, and was getting ready to applaud and support him. But she got caught halfway up and the line didn't come for about another four or five seconds it was really an uncomfortable moment but i have to tell you the first thing in my mind was she's been up there for an hour and a half she's 80 years old maybe she's got to go you know maybe that was the peepee dance uh i'm i'm just saying you are so funny you, you know the, that those are the very practical realities of having to sit there on a stage for that long you know it's probably a blessing to everyone there that the speech started on time and was only an hour but you brought up something i found fascinating too she wasn't the only one that pre-anticipated jumping up and applauding you saw some of the senators doing that as well and you know i think what probably was unanticipated with some of the heckling that we heard during the speech. But, you know, back to the, the visual, I, that is a really great point. You know, there are lots of reasons that people exhibit discomfort through their body language, that being one of them. Um, and you can either, it could be maybe what you suggested, it could just be general discomfort. You know, I don't know about you, but I find myself sitting through conferences where it's like 50 degrees in the room. There are lots of reasons people are uncomfortable as they have to sit for long periods of time. Not to mention, Mike, that started at 9 p.m. Uh, you mentioned ages. Okay, so in Congress, they stay up all night uh, litigating and caucusing. But, you know, nonetheless, some people would probably rather things get over and then go on their way. Um, I do have to say one more uh, sort of body language visual thing, though. If you just listen to it, you know, you thought what you thought, but depending on, you know, what you believe and if you think these were aspirational ideas or whether they're actually going to happen. But if you watched it, you saw all of that maskless mingling. You probably felt a little bit closer to a return to normal. Yeah. And you have to wonder whether that wasn't calculated into a feel-good speech versus a, here's what I'm going to do for you speech. I mean, you know, when he was going through the four points, some people might argue, well, that's kind of what you see on a postage stamp, right? We all want to celebrate our veterans and support them and mental health and the opioid addiction and cure cancer. But show me the money. That's what I think a lot of the Americans were thinking as uh, the president was talking about some of these agenda items. Put that cash in my pocket. And then maybe I will, you know, agree that the State of the Union is good. Yeah, they always end with the State of the Union. The State of our Union is strong. Every sa I've never <laughs> heard a State of the Union end negatively. And to his credit, the great Matt Walsh, a great writer, uh, said the same thing. He wants to end the State of the Union because he said, you never really get any truth there. And it looks like we have royalty the way they walk down the aisle. And the sergeant at arms says, ladies and gentlemen, the Supreme Court of the United States. <laughs> now, if it were me, I w if I had my druthers, I would like the State of the Union to be as raucous as the weekly meeting with the Prime Minister in England and their parliament. 
because you know they yeah. get up and they yell at each other and they go see that to me is government at its best not you want the, it to be more of a school board meeting is what you're saying yeah well sure the school board <laughs> meetings turned into the british parliament at this point um i i did i did find it interesting the 51 52 standing ovations that i counted and i i counted only full chamber uh, because I think if you get half, it doesn't count. You got to get the whole room. But I counted 51 in 62 minutes. That's a pretty good number. And it's very aerobic. And I'm sure all of those people, because there are a lot of seniors in that room, had a good night's sleep last night. It was more aerobic than a Catholic mass. But there was there was so much stuff going on last night that I don't think a lot of people saw. But you mentioned the pre-applause. Chuck Schumer was the guy who really got caught pre-applauding. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of, pre-applauding. Here's here's conspiracy theory, Mike, getting into this. The cameras were on Chuck Schumer, and there's only one feed. You know, they don't every network doesn't get a camera or group of cameras in the in the chamber. It is a pool feed. So everybody has to be happy with it. But somebody knew to go to Chuck Schumer at that moment because they were anticipating him standing. And see, I would like the speech to be fresh to everybody. I don't think Pelosi should have known that there was going to be an applause moment. I don't think Schumer should have known. I think we should get an honest reaction because we're not. They get the speech around noon. The president has lunch with the mainstream media in a select group. They they are embargoed to talk about what they what they've what he said and what they've talked about with him. But they've all read it, so they all know, okay, 40 minutes into it, we have to stand when he mentions this or, or whatever. So I would just like it to be real. That's my, my only uh, requirement. If I am emperor and I get to change this, do you know how long the first day of the Union speech was from George Washington? Oh, I'll bet it went on all night. Nine minutes. No way. I would have thought the opposite. See, you know, Less you go more, I guess, back then. Well, and you go back to the Gettysburg Address, which was very short compared to the guy who spoke before Lincoln. It, the guy before Lincoln was like two hours and Lincoln was just a handful of minutes. And and then you go to Washington in nine minutes for the State of the Union. I think we could have gotten that done. But we've gotten to the point where our leaders, both sides, have to touch uh, a base or check a box with every special interest group. And that's kind of what we heard last night. Were there, um, do you watch after it, Wendy, were there any surprises in the post State of the Union where Joe's taking the victory lap and his party and shaking hands with people? You know, I think he disappointed uh, some people in his party with his fund the police. I mean, conservatives were delighted, but they wondered, you know, that's just is that just a talking point? So he can say, actually, I've always supported the police. You know, he got lucky with two unifying themes, you know, violence and the virus. We're not lucky there's maybe a war in Ukraine, but to start off with it was bipartisan appeal. And everybody was on their feet early on, so he sort of started strong. Uh, and then, you know, the maskless mingling and the COVID is over type of rhetoric. Everybody enjoys that, too. Everybody loves. I don't know that everybody likes this comment about going back at, going back to work, because I know a lot of people that have really mastered the art of teleworking. A lot of employers <laughs> have found it's more cost efficient to allow some uh, employees to telework. I think that part of what he said was uh, 
very, I don't ever want to say milquetoast, because these are very important issues that resonate with, with modern-day Americans. He really talked about all the issues that we care about. But talking is one thing. If he has this great agenda, why can't he push it through? And, you know, come on, folks. Yeah, I understand he keeps talking about how we got to get this passed. He hasn't been able to do it thus far. So I think, you know, both sides kind of came away with uh, they were a little lukewarm on the enthusiasm there. But, you know, you can't win if you're a president with a State of the Union speech. You, know, you, you work with what you have. And I mean that both literally and figuratively, the body language and the content. Um, and I think Joe probably did better than a lot of people expected him to do, which he often does. He seems to rise to the occasion when it's a presidential address, and that's very important. Um, and I think to that extent, he probably met his goals. Well, I think the bar is set pretty low. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to wrap up this segment <laughs> with uh, former President Donald Trump from CPAC on Saturday night. And his sort of brief State of the Union analysis on Joe Biden. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together, and they would not have done the damage that Joe Biden and his administration has done in just a very short 13 months. Now, I think that's a pretty uh, harsh but concise analysis of the first year. That's called of, a pre-buttle. That's that, called a pre-buttle. That's he very gave good. the rebuttal to the State of the Union before it occurred. <laughs> Dropping leaflets <laughs> before. But Joe, the bar set very low for Joe. You know, we have to admit that <laughs> he, he's got a, a very low threshold he had to cross. Uh, and, and maybe if he makes it to a second year, we'll be able to compare next year's State of the Union with this one and see maybe we're in a better place and hopefully not not on the brink of a world war and all that other stuff. Wendy, uh, I want to get you back real soon to talk about the confirmation process of the nominee for the Supreme Court, uh, Katenji Brown Jackson. I think, uh, I think she's going to surprise people. I think she's going to pretty much sail through this and she's already been confirmed twice, but can we get together again very soon and talk about that? Yeah, it sounds like a plan. That's a great topic. All right, my friend, follow Wendy on Twitter. That's the number one thing you people have to do. Follow her, Wendy Patrick PhD on Twitter or WendyPatrickPhD.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Well, he's back. We missed him last week. Our buddy, Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, we couldn't we couldn't connect last week. He's busy working on the uh, Great Age Reboot. He's trying to get this thing out, this new book that's coming out this fall. And I know he's working well, overtime. Well, hmm? Hey, Doc. Well, it wasn't the book. It was actually on uh, the PBS special. We were filming the PBS special. And believe it or not, last Wednesday, I was running the stairs at the Philadelphia Art uh, Museum, which is the Rocky Stairs, um, for a scene in <laughs> uh, the uh, Great Age Reboot PBS special. So, um It'll be out this fall, we hope. Wow, that's right. I'm, I'm ticked off you didn't call me. I'm just down the road. I would have come up and raced you up the stairs. And, well, you would have beaten me, I'm pretty sure. I, it was eight times up the stairs wow. we did for the filming. So you, had to do, a, uh, you had to do eight takes up the, up the stairs. <laughs> well, they have a drone and they have a guy running along with you. And then they have a guy following you and a guy in front of you, and they're the same guy, so he has to do it too. 
drone the, the drone is easier obviously that's good so the a, a clip of you doing the rocky run up the stairs at the philadelphia art museum do you raise your hands and triumph at the end at the top oh i'm not i'm not going to tell you all the uh, yes but i'm not going to tell you everything we did <laughs> oh that's great i cannot wait and when do they anticipate this uh, pbs special will be coming out about the same time as the book, September thirteenth, two thousand twenty-two. Well, this is great. And of course, it's about it's about longevity. What's coming in longevity? This thirty-year jump in life expectancy in the next decade. Why it's coming, and then what you can do. Why it's good for human capital and the economy, and why it's good for you as an individual. And then what you can do to prepare for it. So you can take advantage of the benefits of it. That's excellent. I can't wait. I'm very excited to see this. I'm very excited. And I just wish I could have witnessed it and taken some uh, pedestrian video, if it, as it were. Doc, uh, so much great stuff in this week's research that uh, you send. And Dr. Royzen, if you're new to the show, Dr. Royzen joins us all the time usually Wednesdays, talk about wellness, and he sends a list of topics, the latest research on things that you should know about so that you might be able to affect some small changes in your life that will reap big rewards. And they're usually common sense things you can do. So I'm looking at the list here, Doc, and one of the ones that I hear all the time, vitamin E, vitamin E is so good, it's good for your skin. Does it actually do anything? And if so, what? Um, it does um, nourish both the fibroblasts and some other skin components. Um, and uh, although most vitamin E is sold as alpha tocopherol, you really want the mixed tocopherols, which include gamma. It may be that gamma is the main beneficial component. Hmm. So when you eat, um, for instance, nuts, you get a mixture of vitamin E. Money nuts contain vitamin E as part of their own seed. There is their nourishment, and that's a mix to cofferol. So eating them is probably better than getting them in supplements unless you get mixed to cofferols as a supplement. So that's what you want to look for on the label. In any case, um, the point is that it does nourish the skin. We're learning an awful lot about um, how to re review, renew the skin as component of renewing your underlying self. That mm -hmm. is, in the study of aging mechanisms, for example, hyperbaric, a novel hyperbaric treatment where you go up to uh, a higher concentration and down to normal and up to a higher and down to normal and up to a higher and down to a normal. Well, that actually causes your skin to get younger. It also causes your brain and heart and other organs to get younger in these early studies in a, in humans. So uh, when so you we say... Don't have, we, we don't have many humans on it because we only have 13 uh, out of the 90 people who went through this only 13 men volunteered for the the biopsies that were done every uh, two weeks over a period of time. So it's a lot of uh, skin biopsies, um, but they showed a real um, substantial benefit. And you say hyperbaric. You're talking about getting in that chamber that Michael Jackson used to sleep in? 
Well, I don't know what chamber he slept in, so I'm I'm uh, naive on that, so I can't answer that question. But it it but it isn't just going up to a higher concentration. It's this hormesis. It's the up down up down, where the down is to normal levels. That up down up down that change the body senses as going to a low level and thus starts to go get you into survival mode and recycle old skin cells and you then produce when you go up to the higher level new skin cells wow this is fascinating to me and i'm i'm always paying attention because you talk about our bodies triggering and going into survival mode and it seems to do a lot for rejuvenation of both the brain and all the systems in the body. And I'm going to keep an eye on that. Uh, before we change from the vitamin E thing, you talked about eating nuts. Is there um, one nut or a couple of nuts that are better to eat every day to get that? You know, um, we know that the uh, status of, for example, uh, walnuts is a great nut. But in the studies looking at longevity, looking at health, it is any nut, and they include legumes of peanuts and cashews, hmm. which really aren't tree nuts in that. So um, we don't know whether it's a mixed nut that is the key or whether it is any nut um, uh, that you like, but um, it looks like it may be any nut. Well, that's a good thing. And have nuts every day, people. It is good for you. I start my day with walnuts, almonds, and some pistachios, and that's my little nut cocktail. Uh, Doc, I have a buddy, a golf buddy, who we argue almost every week about what's the better health regimen for guys our age, late 50s, early 60s. And he swears, oh, you got to lift weights all the time. You have to lift weights. And I'm going, I think it's cardio. I think cardio is the way to go. As a former, you know, marathon runner, cardio seemed to be the one that gave me the most energy and kept me uh, fastest and healthiest in the brain department, too. Is muscle strength better for older men? Um, we don't know the answer to your question. When you look at the data, it looks like anything that stresses the muscle is excellent. So it looks like that anything is uh, better than nothing. And if I was going to say what's the, the best thing for you, it is a mixture of the two. That is, when you look at the data from the long-term studies... It looks like there are four components of physical activity that make a difference to how long and how well you live, the less disability. They are walking, any physical activity, gardening, swimming, etc., cetera, um, doing the dishes even. Um, the second one is uh, resistance activity, 20 minutes twice a week, mainly core muscles. The third is cardio, 21 minutes. Uh, three times a week at 80 plus percent of your age adjusted maximum with two minutes at the end at a maximum if you can do so. And then 20 jumps morning and night. So those are the four that have shown 
in randomized studies and in epidemiologic studies to make a difference to how long and well you live. So it is both, you're both right. Um, it is both cardio and resistance. Okay, it's, it's not going to end the arguing. We will continue arguing until we die. That's how we operate. You know, you've been on the golf course. Uh, I, in terms of exercise, exercise can build up your brain. However, the air around you might negate that. Yeah, we did this uh, a little bit earlier in the year, um, maybe last year, when there was a study um, out of New York City and a couple other cities that people who ran in air pollution areas did not get the same brain enlargement. So what exercise does when you stress the muscle, whether it is inside with resistance training or cardio or outside, it is it um, turns on a gene. You are a genetic engineer, so you turn on a gene in your muscle that produces a small protein called arisen which gets across the blood-brain barrier, stimulates another gene, brain-derived neurotrophic growth factor, which is like miracle grow for your brain and, um, if you will, uh, your memory and your cognition. Hmm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So that's what um, exercise does. Now, what these two studies, which looked at not very polluted areas, the 20% worse areas in the United States, which isn't very polluted, if you will, from an air pollution standpoint. But when people exercised in, that, in those areas, there was no enlargement. Now, we don't know whether this is a direct effect of the air pollution on something in the muscle or brain, or whether it is a antagonism, meaning air pollution by itself will decrease the size of your brain because of the inflammation it causes? Is this a direct contraindication? But it, it, people who exercised in polluted areas, that is in the worst areas, and you can look it up. I think it's airnow.com, A-I-R-N-O-W.com. You can find out the air quality in your area. And people who exercised in those areas, um, they had uh, no increase size of their brain when they exercise oh well that's uh that's another good reason why we need to make sure the air is clean around us uh yikes but the uh, keep exercising people just find cleaner air maybe maybe try and do that exercise indoors or on a plane where the air is really clear i'm told i've, I've heard that the airplane air is filtered 90 million to i'll get into that another time doc we talk about sodium and how sodium and salt in your diet can be bad, especially if you're taking in excessive amounts. You have a number one on your list here is about sodium from certain forms of acetaminophen could increase uh, cardiovascular right. so, disease. Yeah, so there is a um, people who were trying to avoid opiate painkillers, had pain and were trying to avoid it, went to Tylenol. But then they wanted to get faster action. So people have developed what is called effervescent or sudden release acetaminophen. Well, it turns out the way that works is it has a lot of sodium with it. How much sodium? Well, if you have 10 of those tablets, which is an average dose of people getting pain relief, 
you're getting 4.4 grams, 4,400 milligrams, twice your twice to three times the daily recommended amount of sodium totally in this one little bit. Wow. So we don't, so that's what, uh, and it raises your blood pressure, et cetera. But that's in a certain form, the one that has the effervescent delivery system. Effervescent and sudden release, yeah. right. Wow. So keep an eye on that, people. You you want to monitor your sodium salts, really. Uh, very, very important. And since so many people look at breakfast, and my breakfast is very different than everyone else's normal diner breakfast, I think, uh, with the nuts and the fruit to start my day. Uh, well, just give us a couple of these low cholesterol breakfast ideas. Um, I'm going to skip that one. I don't okay. like that. All right. I, well, then you pick because I we'll we'll do a different one. But because the the idea is, in fact, what we want to do is is get people to eat in an eight hour window. So if you don't eat till eleven thirty in the morning and finish by seven, that's a great window to eat in, which means you'd be skipping breakfast. We think that's a healthier way of going, so I don't want to go there. What about people like me who get up in the morning and I need a little something to jumpstart? I typically have a glass of pomegranate juice and some, and then some warm green tea uh, and then you know my other stuff. Uh, should I try and move that back, or am I allowed to have liquids ahead of 11 o'clock? Um, black coffee and water. Okay. All right, I can have black coffee or green tea All without right. sugar and water. Yeah, I, I got off sugar and tea and coffee a long time ago. And it, it, people go, how can you do it? You just try it. It's better. I'm going to close with one, Doc, that I know if I brought this up in some of our friends groups, I'd be called a sexist. But uh, this one, the last one on your list, uh, even washing dishes helps older women's hearts. I if if I extrapolate this and go, you know what would help you stay healthy? Get in that kitchen and wash those dishes. I know that's very sexist, but I thought it was funny. Well, even men washing dishes is good. Um, but it turns out that any physical activity is good. And when they monitored it, they put accelerators, accelerometers into activity monitors on these women. And they found that the more activity they did, whatever activity it was, gardening, uh, vacuuming, washing dishes. Um, so it turns out women do about 3.3 hours, 3.3 and a third hours of housework on average. And those who did um, that had a tremendous health benefit compared to those who were sedentary from a standpoint of they lived longer, they lived with less disability. So whatever physical activity you do, um, it is healthy. Even washing dishes, even gardening, even taking a walk every day, you should try and work that in, men and women. And we know that cardiovascular disease is a bad, bad killer of women, and we need to try and eliminate that. And that's why we highlight it, trying to make it normal activity in everybody's daily lives. Dr. Roizen is his name. He is from the Cleveland Clinic, and we are counting down the days to September, Doc, when we get the Great Age Reboot. Now, you had a, a new website you told me about last week where people can go and, uh, I guess, submit questions or stay up to date on the Great Age Reboot? 
Right. It's it's either info at Great Age Reboot if you want information about it, or questions at GreatAgeReboot.com. This is all good stuff. Dr. Royson, thank you again, my friend. I appreciate you making time for us every week. My privilege. Take care, Michael. 